work for me. So I'll take it off for now, but we'll get back to this in a little bit. Would you turn to the Gospel of Mark, please, as we are now in Mark chapter 4. We're making headway. Not as fast as Mark writes. Do you remember that Mark is very swift in how he speaks and writes? We're in Mark chapter 4, and we're in the middle of his parables, Jesus' parables. He's beginning to speak. And if you'll remember, he began with the parable of the sower. And he said, if you don't get this parable, you're not going to get any of them. So this is a key parable. You need to understand it. And it's important to understand because he said there was a sower who sowed seeds. And what we do so often with the parables of the Lord Jesus Christ is we, we look so deep to find all these intricate meanings and, and we apply them to ourselves during this time and at this day and age for our life and so forth. We've done that with the sowing of the seed. But in reality, he's speaking it to his disciples and he's letting them know, I'm the sower sowing my word. He's the rabbi declaring his teaching. And so his teachings, his yoke as the rabbi is the word of the Lord. And as he's sowing that, some receive what Jesus said and some don't. It falls on stony ground. The enemy steals it. Jesus' word can come into people's lives. They can begin to receive it, but they get distracted by the issues of the day and it dies out. And what he's saying is you need to receive my words. This is not a parable about salvation. This is a parable about the word Jesus and being spoken to us. Even Christians who are saved can have the word of God lost in their lives. I've seen it many times. You might be sitting next to someone who had a a promise in the word of the Lord and, and life squelched it off. So this applies to all of us. And so the rest of these parables, in context to what Jesus is saying, is a revelation of Him. The gospel's not greater than Jesus. He is the good news. He is the center of all these teachings. And so we should find Him in the matter of all these points. And so Mark 4 we're going to start at verse 21. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Gee whiz, what does he mean by this? You don't put a candle under a bushel. You don't hide it in secret. You don't put it under your bed. You put it on a lampstand to shine. What could he mean? Hey, how about this? Jesus said, I'm the light. Oh, hey, maybe that's the key to unlock this. You remember Jesus was hidden from all time. He was God's secret, the secret of salvation. It's the things the prophets inquired of, Peter says. As a matter of fact, this is Peter's own gospel. Mark's the one writing it, but he's writing Peter's account. And later in Peter, he says, these are things that the very apostles and prophets looked into to understand and discern the time of the Lord's salvation of Messiah. They couldn't know it. And even angels look into this. It was God's secret hidden wisdom. In Him would be the salvation of all mankind found in Messiah, Jesus Christ. He is that seed that was promised to Abraham, that was promised to Eve, 
The seed of the woman shall crush the serpent's head. It was spoken, but it was a mystery. It was hidden. But the light has come. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. That glory is Jesus. He's the light now to be put on a lampstand. We look at how can we spread the gospel? How can we evangelize? Let's come up with all these concepts. Let's, let's develop theories and ideas and questions and, and, I, and, and uh, explosions of evangelism and, and uh, uh, prophetic evangelism and this kind of evangelism. Can I tell you the key to evangelism? Jesus! Speak Jesus. He's the light. Speak Jesus. All those ideas are great, but they're no good if he's not shining through them. Your ideas are the stand, but the key is the light on the stand, Jesus. Now, if you have an ear to hear, hear what I'm telling you. That's what Jesus is saying. I'm here. I'm the light. I'll not be hidden. This kingdom, what is the kingdom of God? It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. You can't have a kingdom without a king. And a kingdom's no good without a king because it's the king's dominion. That's what a kingdom is. Does that make sense to you? You got ears to hear? Hear what I'm telling you. He's saying, I'm here. It's Jesus. I'm the light. Put me. If I be, catch it again, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Now, of course, he's speaking of the cross there, but also the light to all ages, to all people, to all mankind, the witness of Christ. Jesus is the light. Jesus is the kingdom. Jesus is our all in all. If you're going to do anything today, speak Jesus, please. Now, he says this. He says, if you have an ear to hear, let him hear. Then he said, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added. For the one who has, more will be given, and for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now this is in reference again to the parable of the sower. Pay attention. Are you getting this? Do you understand who I am? If you begin to understand who I am, you're like the seed in good soil. It's going to bear fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. So it will be added to you. If you understand that I am the Messiah, if you understand I am your salvation, if you understand who I am, revelation's going to be added to that. You're going to be unlocking the Old Testament. You're going to be unlocking all the Scriptures. You're going to be unlocking all the words that I have spoken to you. More will be given, more will be given, more will be given. But if you don't know who I am and you hear my words, your understanding of life and wisdom is just taken away. You know how many people we have going to church nowadays? A lot less than used to. You know why? Nothing's added to them. They don't see Jesus in it. They haven't found Jesus in the pews. They haven't found Jesus in the churches. They're not finding Jesus anywhere. And like like the parable of the birds that come and rob it all, it's all been stolen from them, and they're deaf, dumb, and blind, though they may say, I believe. But you have had a revelation of Jesus. And because you have had a revelation of Jesus and you understand who Jesus is and you receive him as your Lord and you serve him as your king, more is added to you, greater revelation. The Holy Spirit will guide you into what? All truth. That's what he's saying. Oh, you're going to have more. You're going to leave this place today with a greater revelation of who he is. Not because of me. Has nothing to do with me. Has everything to do with the ministry of the Holy Spirit in this place.
today, even today, from, from 9 o'clock till now, we've seen the majesty of Christ. We've heard it. We've felt it. We've seen the ministry of His intercession as a high priest. We've prayed and asked for Him to move. Now we're hearing the majesty of His Word. Come on, if you're not different already, I don't know what it's going to take. And if it has no impact on you, it will be taken away. It'll fade and die. So let's continue. This is amazing. He goes on and he says this, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He doesn't know how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts it to the sickle to it because the harvest has come. That's the kingdom of God. Now let's see how deep this could be. What's that mean? Things grow and you don't know how. The kingdom will grow. That's what he's saying. I'm the light. You put me out there. You receive my word and this kingdom is going to flourish. It's like seed being scattered and like the agricultural system that these people understood and knew. You put a seed in the ground, you water it, and you wait. You watch and just the miracle of life takes place. This thing will grow and it will produce. That's what he's saying. The kingdom of God is going to grow. Do you know that the kingdom of God, Christianity has been on this planet for 2,000 years. And it is invading every nook and cranny of planet earth. It is growing. Why in some places and why not in others? Why is it growing in this place and not there? Why is the United States once flourishing in Christianity, now dying in Christianity, but yet the southern hemisphere now is on fire with the gospel? I don't know. That's what he's saying. This thing's going to grow. So here's the thing. If you will plant the seed, it will grow. Plant it, it will grow. Plant it, it will grow. Plant it, it will grow. And you don't have to know the ins and outs. You just tend to it. Paul said it this way. I like that. There was a problem in the church at Corinth. They said, well, we like Apollos. And others said, yeah, well, I follow Peter. Some said, yeah, well, he's good, but Paul, come on. Who can be Paul? The man's got amazing anointing. And then there were the few in the back saying, we follow Jesus. <laughs> You're all off. Right? Paul said, look, come on. He said, in fact, he said in, in, in 1 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 6 and 7, he said, look it. I planted. Apollos came and watered. But God gives the increase. God causes the growth. He says this. Neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. That's the same reference to this parable. The, the farmer sows. He puts a seed in. He waters. He plants. He doesn't do anything. It grows. It has life. And the dynamic of this thing has life in itself. The Holy Spirit is the one who saves people. You water. You plant. But it's the Spirit that gives life and grows. I don't know why this person's saved and that one's not. That's the mystery of God. And so we scatter, we broadcast the seed, we lift Jesus up, and we preach. But don't get discouraged. I remember praying for my brother-in-law. Uh, I had a man crush on this guy. You ever have a guy that, he's like, oh, he's so cool. My, my sister married him when I was 12, and, and he was just this cool guy. And so I thought he was so neat. But he didn't know the Lord. He began to get very irritated with me. 
I took him to Christian concerts, and he would put up with me, and all this kind of stuff. Seven years I prayed for this guy. Seven years, nothing. Finally, a crisis came in his life, and watching the 700 Club one night, he gave his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Why did it take seven years? I don't know. You water, you, you wake up, you, get, you keep pressing on. But he came to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you've been ministering to people for a long time. Just keep getting up, water, speak, water and so, and we'll let the kingdom, let Jesus do his work. Let him do his work. This is how the kingdom's going to advance. Right now in Iran, there's a revival going on that people around the world have no idea. Everybody's scared of Iran because of their nuclear power that they're looking towards and the crazy stuff that their government's doing. But under the soil, under that soil of Iran, a seed was planted and there is a, a growth of the church that is phenomenal. People are leaving Islam and coming to Christ by the thousands daily. Amen. Nobody knows about it. Nobody hears about it. Why is this going on? Because the sower sowed a seed and the Spirit is there and people are watering and it's growing. The nations you fear today, Jesus will take over tomorrow. We just don't know what's going on. But he assures us of this one thing. First of all, he's the light. Put him on the lampstand. Secondly, this kingdom is going to flow. From those 12 apostles, this kingdom is going to take the earth. It will grow. He goes on and he says this. With what we can compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. He's specifically referring the kingdom of God to a mustard seed. Later on, he compares faith to a mustard seed. But this is not the same thing. It's a different illustration. What he's saying is the kingdom of God is going to start like a little mustard seed. Who's the mustard seed? Jesus. Unless a seed dies and bees and is and bees planted <laughs> and is planted, right? He is the one. The kingdom of God established through Christ shall grow. This mustard seed is just a tiny little thing. You'd walk right by it, a tiny little seed. But what happens with the mustard seed is that it begins to grow. And as it grows, it becomes a bush and it produces more seed. And what it does is it literally takes over a plot of land. It grows at such strength and mass and uh, amount that it begins to take over a garden. It'll take over a field. And it will grow into large bushes, into trees. Birds can... That's what he's saying the kingdom of God is going to do. The kingdoms of this nation shall become the kingdoms of our God. We don't believe it. We don't believe it. We've been so tribulation rapture ready, we're not listening to the Great Commission. How many of you ever considered that when Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, he believed we could? He really did. He really thought that he could bring all the nations unto Christ. I wish the church would consider this. We're like, oh, it's getting bad. We've got to get out of here. Pull the, pull the cord. Come on, take us. No, all the nations aren't saved yet. 
He's not coming until the nations are saved. Oh, well, that's not how my eschatology reads. I think it's supposed to get worse and worse and worse and really bad and bad and bad so we can just get out a back door somewhere and just escape all this. He said, my kingdom is going to be like the mustard plant. The mustard plant takes over a field. It takes over everything. This thing begins to move, and it takes over every, it dominates. The mustard plant dominates. Now, here's the other thing with the mustard plant. It has a peculiar odor. That's supposedly not so pleasant, but this is no reference to the kingdom of God. But as a matter of fact, Paul says, Paul says that our gospel smells of death to those who are lost it, it, because they don't like the smell of being called a sinner. You see, it, it penetrates. And so this mustard seed, this kingdom, this teaching of Jesus, this revelation of who he is, is going to take the world. It's going to go into all the world, and it's going to bring an odor. It's going to change the climate of what you smell. Now, there are a lot of people who hate Jesus. They hate Christianity. They want to get rid of it. It's, rid of it. it's the history of the church. No different shall my servants be than me. People will treat you the way they treated me. So people have tried to get rid of Christianity, tried to destroy the Bible, tried to destroy and burn all that is Christian, and they can't stomp it out. The blood of the martyr is the seed of the church. The church will grow. This is prophetic. This is the word of Jesus. And so his kingdom will grow. His kingdom will grow. His name will be great. It will be broadcast through all the earth. Even though the enemy will increase and come against it, the kingdom of God will move throughout the whole land. And if you read the book of Revelation for what it says, you will see that there is an innumerable number of people who get saved during this period of time. So many so that John could not number them when he saw them. He could have asked an angel, say, how many is this? They couldn't even number it. Now that happens to be a lot of people saved. Would you agree with me? So there's an amazing move of the kingdom of God in that time. It's going to be like a mustard seed. It's going to permeate, penetrate, and grow beyond compare. Now, verse 33 with many such parables he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it he did not speak to them without parables but privately to his own disciples he explained everything i'm here i am the light i am messiah salvation has come lift me up and this kingdom will move you're not going to understand how but it's going to grow it will grow in 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 process from a seed to a tender plant to a shoot to, till it grows and it's nurtured and increases. Ultimately, that's the body of Christ. The body of Christ is growing into full stature. 2,000 years now, the church is mightier than it was on the day of Pentecost. Oh, I don't know about that. Well, maybe in this region, you're not seeing it, but I'm telling you it is around the world. It's larger in number than it ever has been in 2,000 years. It's increasing its force and its might and its power of the name of Jesus is reaching every continent and every tribe and every tongue. Just because in your local community you're not feeling it, it's happening. And he said it's going to grow. And there's this process to growth to where the body of Christ, the church, will go into full stature. That's where we're going. And he's saying it's going to be like a mustard seed. It's going to take over everything. It's going to continue to enlarge and continue to increase. Woo, that's awesome. 
and that's the church you belong to. That's the message you carry. It is awesome and wonderful. And the message of this kingdom is greater than your priorities and your life. You've given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, and now your life is to be that light unto Him. Now, I love a good teacher. How many of you love a good teacher, right? You love good teachings. You love good stuff. This is great, Jesus. That's awesome. Thank you for feeding us intellectually. Nice story. And then Mark goes on and tells us something else about Jesus. Look at verse 35. On that day, gave us a lot of parables about the kingdom, explained it to us. When evening had come, he said to them, hey, let's go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in a boat, and just as he was, and the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling with water. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care? We're dying. And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased And there was a great calm. He turned and said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who is this guy? That even the wind and the sea would obey him. What I love about Jesus is he can give you truth, he can give you revelation, and then he shows up. He is who He is. He proves Himself by who He is. It's one thing to say, I am the light. It's another thing to have power over all creation. Oh, see, they heard the teachings, but then when they saw His identity, they became more afraid of Him than the raging sea. And it should be that way. We've become so comfortable with our Jesus. He's our pal. He's our buddy. He's our chum. He'll fix anything. Just ask Jesus. He'll do it. We have made him our Santa Claus. We've made him our Easter bunny. We've made him our party treat. We've made him our fun time. Oh, for the day when we would see him for who he is and fall on our face afraid of his majesty. So they get in the boats. See, there's a crowd of people. So it's not just Jesus and the 12. They get in their boats and the others. People start following them too. It's a whole little caravan. Where are you going? I'm going where he's going. So they all get in their boats and they're all going across the sea, right? Now, now the, th- the thing about this, this lake, this sea, is that it is but in the midst of a bunch of mountains. And so many times when the cool air would come over the mountains and and brush over them and come into the dip of where that sea was, it would mingle with the warm air and it would create turbulence. And it's known that this sea uh, of Galilee, it's known that it would stir up in a matter of an instant. And so he said, let's go to the other side. So I would imagine the way timing is uh, with the Lord, you might Uh, have found this out when you're the most vulnerable and in the middle of the sea is when the storms come has anybody ever felt this you ever had this kind of an incident 
And so it says the water, it stirred up, the wind's blowing, which creates in this bowl of water uh, waves that start splashing and thrashing. It's coming into the boat. These are experienced fishermen. These are men who understand the water, understand their boats, and at this point, all is lost in their mind. Peter, Andrew, James, John, they've been on that lake their whole lives. And they know when a storm's like this, we're going to die. That's what they said. Wake up, don't you care? We're perishing. We're going to die. I could imagine Thomas in that boat. How many of you know? <laughs> Thomas, Thomas gave up probably when he got in the thing. We're going to die. We're not going to make it. Can you imagine that? They're all in this boat. All these, Matthew the tax collector, right? <laughs> Nathaniel, he's, uh, uh, he, he, he's an aristocrat, you know. Uh, he doesn't want to get his feet wet or his cloak wet. <laughs> smells like fish in here. Where, where can I sit? What a group of guys. Right? Jesus is tired, man. He's been ministering, giving out his glory, ministering. He's just going to lay down for catch a wink. You see, you know why Jesus was so comfortable? Because Jesus said this, we're going to go on the other side. So when Jesus says we're going to go on the other side, what do you think is going to happen? You're going on the other side. So the devil can come in, create a storm. He can do anything to get you to doubt what the word of the Lord was. The Lord said, we're going on the other side. Everybody there doubted that at that point. So he stirred up. He knew he had to get a big stirring up because these guys have been with Jesus. They've been seeing him do some things. See, the more mature you are in the Lord, the more advanced you are in the Lord, the greater the storms are going to be in your life because he's going to get you, to, the enemy's going to try to get you to a place of abandonment and fear. Don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall, what, reap a harvest. And so well-doing and serving God means that the enemy's going to try to get you to give up. Therefore, the storms are going to increase. Consider this. Well, I just might not mature in the Lord then. <laughs> there are storms fitted for your maturity. All of them designed for you to doubt. So get used to it and make up your mind to trust that what he says is going to happen. When he says, you're going to the other side, what does he mean? I'm going to the other side. If my boat sinks, he's going to get me there anyways. Paul prayed when he was in a ship, and, and it was going to be a huge shipwreck, and there was a lot of trouble. An angel said, it's okay, Paul, be cool, you're going to make it. He, stayed, he had to float overnight in the water, but he knew one thing. He's going to make it. Jesus told Peter, when you are old, you will die. When you are old, they will show you how they will take you to a place and they will put you to death. And it's when you're old and you cannot clothe yourself. So when he was in jail and arrested early on in his ministry and, and shackled up, he was asleep. The angel had to wake him up. Why? Jesus told him when he was going to die and it's not now. Oh, come on, people. Trust the word of the Lord. When he tells you something, trust him. Angel had to kick him. Peter, get up. <laughs> he said, we're going to the other side. They went, and in the middle of this thing, water's rushing. It's coming in. And so now Jesus, the rabbi, the teacher who speaks in parables, has great lessons and kingdom words. Isn't that nice? 
shows up with power and reveals truly who he is. He wakes from his slumber. They're all upset. They're all crying. Thomas is like chewing on his... (laughs) They're all screaming. People, boats all around. Jesus gets up and he says to the wind, Stop it! Wow. Now, in quantum physics, consider this. In quantum physics, they say that when a monarch butterfly flaps his wings in Brazil, it changes the air current that travels around the world and its impact and effect can move in Greenland or Alaska or the Soviet Union. You see, this is a closed system. So when one thing happens in one area, it has an impact in another area. Imagine the force of the authority of Jesus Christ that when he says to the wind that is howling and galing and moving with such force, stop it! It ceases. The entire weather pattern of planet Earth changed in an instant. Because the one who is the word spoken and creating all things spoke to that system. Now, if that's not enough, he spoke to the wind to stop. But water doesn't just stop, right? Water's still moving and, and thrashing. And he says, be still. Imagine the amount of force that has to come and immediately squelch all the waves and the power of that water into a sea of glass. I too would sit in that boat and go, who is this guy? And it was essential that they became more afraid of him. It's the fear of God. The fear of God. This is God in the flesh. When he says the kingdom is like a mustard seed and it will penetrate planet earth and it will cover this earth like the waters cover the sea, he means it. When he says go into all nations and preach the gospel and make disciples of men, he means it. This great commission could be done in our generation if we would get to work. Have you ever thought of completing the great commission? It's an expectation of the Lord Jesus Christ when he said we're going to the other side. It's the same thing. This planet shall come to the knowledge of Jesus where every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Can you believe that? The King of glory said it. What amazes me is most of us are more afraid of water. We've had a lot of it lately. How many of you have been affected by that? Right? Water does damage, doesn't it? You have, how, how many of you remember the tsunami? I mean, literally almost lost Japan. Right? All the nuclear power plants, all the, this tsunami just came, a wall of water. How forceful, how powerful. You can't stand against it. Wipe us all out. We're more afraid of water than we are the Son of God. The wind that howled over that sea. Wind does a lot of damage. Knocked my fence over last week. Broke, broke a four-by-four four post. Bam, right at, the, right at the base. Force, power of the wind, tsunamis, tornadoes. We're afraid of fire, volcanoes, eruptions. We're afraid of nature more than we are Him. All of those things are nothing compared to one word from the Master. 
And so when Jesus is teaching the kingdom, we must believe him. And we must know that if we would receive it, then more will be added. More will be added. Christ Community Church, are you ready for a 30% increase in the revelation of God in your life? Are you ready for a 60% increase of the move of His Holy Spirit? Are you ready for a 100% increase of a harvest of souls? That is what the Lord said would happen in His kingdom if His people would obey Him and fear Him. And if we would, we will see this kind of an increase. Will you believe Him? Will you believe Him? I'm expecting a 30% increase on this next question. (laughs) Will you believe Him? Ooh, the meter went up to 80. (laughs) One last time. Will you believe Him? Amen. Let us bow our heads. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.